Hey, Bobby Manning here. Want to give you guys a quick update on this feed. We're going to be throwing it back to our old Celtics postgame show style about an hour after every Celtics game show. And we're doing it on the Locker Room app. If you haven't heard of the Locker Room app, it's available on the Apple App Store as well as getlockerroom.com. And you just download the app, find our room. You can follow me, Bobby Manning, Josue Pavone, John Zanis, as well as Jimmy Toscano, and get alerted every time we go live, which is going to be, like I said, an hour after every single game. You can join us there, just like on our old show, and jump on as a caller. Questions, takes, opinions, all that stuff. You'll have your chance to throw it out there and have a little bit of a back and forth with our show like we used to here. Now that audio is going to be available here on this feed. So what you're going to hear after... This is our locker room conversation from last night, uh, the Celtics post-game show overtime, as we're going to be calling it. And that's going to be what this stream is going forward. If you want the Celtics post-game show as we do it on YouTube immediately following the buzzer, which is going to continue for an hour after every game, you're going to want to go subscribe to the Garden Report podcast feed. That's the Garn Report podcast feed. It's on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you're getting your podcast, anywhere you're getting this podcast stream, you'll be able to get the Garn Report one as well. And that will be our post-game stream. This is going to continue to be the locker room stream from every night. So we're basically doing two shows each night. Second one's going to involve you guys. So it's standing here on our old stream where we used to do that every night. And... Here is tonight's show. All right, so that's done. Uh, so the chat room should start filling up shortly. I, I, I dumped the link in there, guy. I thought you had done that. My bad. So anyway, yep, so it was a good win. And uh, Jalen Brown, I think, and Marcus down the stretch, right? Yeah, I was concerned with Tatum's play the entire the entire game. Um, he just looked off, but Jalen came through again. Came through big. Uh, he did. I mean, he's probably if if out of the two, I think he's a bit more consistent, and he's also tends to get forgotten somehow. Like he he allows himself to get lost and. In the and kind of in the offense, but then at the end of the game, you look at the box score, and he's always a consistent stat line. So, a problem I think with the team in general is the the leadership. There's just not a lot of vocal leadership here, and and between the two of those guys, and I don't see the kind of I don't know celebratory like the bench is kind of stale. Remember all those pictures of Tatum and and Brown like bumping jump bumping yep. shoulders in the air. You yep. see it at the even at the beginning of the season, and now it's like, damn, they look there. You know what? It's the complete opposite of. But Nate Nate Robinson climbing over Paul Pierce's body. Oh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Nate Robinson, I forgot about him. You're right, though. <laughs> I mean, that, that was um, Shrek they had. They were used to do all those memes on Twitter. was different back then, but they used to do the memes um, of Shrek being Big Baby. 
Oh yeah, Shrek and Big Baby. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, they had. I think they had Shrek as Big Baby. I know, I, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, man, I just uh, you know my feelings on this season. I think it's it's uh, just brutally, brutally hard to watch. It's as it, it is more frustrating, I think, than the Kyrie year because you could at least blame it on Kyrie. Then this is like a problem with two of the, two of the Celtics superstars. And I mean, I'm just not. It's very hard for me after they barely squeak out a win against a decent Knicks team. But this Celtics team should be a third or a fourth, a fourth seed, fairly. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, to 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 look at the to look at the Eastern standings and see the teams that are above them in the standings, it's um, it's like you're in the twilight. Zone. Yeah. Yeah. No. No doubt about it. Um, so, guy, why don't we bring in? Um, I know there's a couple guys here. I'm gonna bring in um, Andrew, and I'm gonna go and and actually run over and make sure that the uh, the hosts are okay. Okay, All right. awesome. Yep. All right, brother. Uh, Andrew, you're live, bro. Yeah, just kind of going off what you said, Nick. I can't really uh, can't really chalk this game up and give any uh specific details on that because you know kind of just never know what you're going to get with this celtics team it could be uh you know one win and then a loss you know we can never really string together three or four games on the bounce um i was curious though on um your hot take about it being kind of a Jalen brown and tatum problem because i don't know for me i think you know i'm a brad stevens hater so that's kind of where i'm coming from who are you? A Stevens hater? Brad Stevens hater. <laughs> You're a hater. So don't get me wrong. You're trying to get me going. I'm not a Brad hater. Is that? But you are. Tell me why. So I think it it kind of stems. It's it's not just this year. It's been happening for a few years now. Um, you know, mismanagement of timeout calls, you know, blown fourth quarter leads, Dude, not, not being able to manage stars. Um, you know, for That's me, I think the, frustrating. the NBA is a, is a, is a star league and you got to be able to manage egos. And for me, he just doesn't get it done on that end of things. Nobody's questioning his basketball acumen, but, um, you know, when managing superstars and dealing with the egos, you're, you're better off having, you know, a Doc Rivers or a Steve Kerr, as funny as that sounds. No, man. I mean, I think you're. I think you are correct. I think if for nothing less, like Brad has been an amazing guy at developing talent. He's an X's and O guy, almost to a, I think their detriment, where they can't make decisions, and I think they get frustrated and stop running the plays. And he his going. His indif- his uh, in- in- inability to really display great emotion, I think, makes him difficult to connect yeah. with. And I think that he also spent, though, let's not forget, five five years, four to five years, really being the golden boy. He was Teflon. So that he had to be questioned. He's, what, on this team, eight, eight years, whatever, coaching this team. and he, But he did have some great runs. You know, early on, but the Celtics haven't won the championship or competed in the finals for one in now what eleven years. I mean, to me, that's that's 
that's that's pretty bad, <laughs> you know. And he's been given great talent. So people love to pick on the roster this year. I'm not even going to get into that because that frustrates me too. But prior to that, I mean, he had, I would say probably at any given time in the second half of, of um, his tenure, he's had Hall of Fame, future Hall of Famers that have played for him. And he, like a Gordon Hayward, wanted to leave like and and that's his boy so there's definitely i don't know there's definitely a disconnect i think between the you watch them in in the huddle and brown and tatum are kind of strolling around and i really do like brad i think he's very talented but in the nba it is a star driven league it is a the players can be a bit eccentric as can the coaches and i think there's a, he struggles with that. So he either needs a very strong assist, assistant that can relate to the players, you know, and say they know he's been there, I think, or I don't know. So Asha Rod is here, Andrew. I'm going to bring him in, in and uh, I appreciate the take and, and the question. And keep the faith, though, man, because when everything's going well, everybody loves Brad. I mean, he is, he is a really amazing X's and O's uh, coach. So, all right, man. I'm, I'm appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Okay, we got Sherrod, guys. Sherrod is now in, uh, and in the hosting. Let's see, Sherrod and John is here as well. So, John, uh, I'm gonna mute myself. Can you guys just give us a, a, a mic check? See if you're able to hear us. Guy, do you hear anything? No, I'm not hearing anything. Okay, guys, hop out, close the app, hop back in. I am in here. Ah, uh, John, my man. What's going on? What's going on? Is Sherrod uh, trying to get his, find his way in? He was here, and uh, at, he had no sound, so he's backing out and coming right back. Okay, so I'm hanging. Uh, sure. We just wrapped up our wrapping up our post game show. We've got Jimmy, Bobby, and Joe Sway. They're going to be joining us in a little bit. So why don't you guys start lining up? Uh, who wants to jump in and talk uh, or ask any of us questions? Um, just ground rules for everybody. Some of you were here last night. What we're going to do, I'm going to put you guys up if I see your request to speak. If you could, please mute yourself. Um, and uh, Nick, is that feedback on your end? It might be. B, John, I'm muting myself and making you host, okay? Cool. Thank you, guys. So Sherrod's going to jump in in a – Sherrod's going to jump in hopefully in a second, and we're going to get rolling. There's Sherrod here. Uh, Let me invite him to speak and see if he can uh, find his way in. Sherrod, are you hearing us? No, Sherrod's still having the same issues he had before. So – uh, I'm gonna put up. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just start chatting with you guys in the room here. I'm gonna put you guys up if you can. Just mute until I call for. Call You're gonna for get you. Sherrod now. Um, I think he just muted and I'm muted. Sherrod, you good? Yeah. I thought I saw it. That it moved. I'm sorry. No problem. Uh, so I'm gonna rifle through some guys here on the chat, and then we'll 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 get these guys over here again. Nick, if you can just tell Sherrod separately to completely exit the app and then come back you in. You got it. Um, it worked for me the first time I did it. But any of you guys, we got a lot of people requesting to speak. Um, right now it's just me, but I, like I said, other people are gonna be uh, uh, flooding in in a little bit. So uh, we will start here. Uh, I'm gonna put up uh, Julian. Uh, what's up, man? Hey, what's up? 
Nothing. So, Welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for putting me on. So I, yep. had a, I had a thought that's kind of been building up over the last couple of games, and I think tonight kind of confirmed it. And so first, let me just say I love Brad Stevens. Sorry, Nick. I'm not a fire Brad kind of guy. But I know that we, we have him here because, you know, he's not a Ty Lue. He's not a, a Doc Rivers. He's not a leader of men. He's more, you know, X is a no Wizards guy. So why is it that every, like, it seems like half the time the play is just give it to Tatum, drive into three people, have the ball knocked off your knee, complain about the foul, and it's a turnover. And you see it tonight with seven turnovers, which is insane. Like, how, is that, uh, how is that sustainable? Yeah, so the... Um... The, I, 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 we run into this problem all the time. Uh, and I'm curious your thoughts too, honestly, because you know you watch the games, uh, or anybody else who wants to weigh in on this as well. Um, and again, uh, so I'm seeing people saying they're not have audio. I'm just going to write in the chat uh, if they don't. Uh, hold on one second. Just want to tell everybody no audio. Uh, exit app and re-enter. Okay. Um, so. Uh, I think we run into the same problems over and over again uh, where you just fall into old habits. And again, you see a lot of teams do this late. You, you, you might have offense working all game long and you're spreading the ball around. And when you get late in the game, things tighten up and you end up just giving it to stars. Problem is the Celtics kind of default to that early almost anytime they run into any problems. And I think this has been Tatum's biggest knock is he just keeps falling into that pattern. Um, and every time he does – uh, he, he, you see this version of him where double teams come, he's slow to recognize him, he dribbles into traffic, he loses the ball. That happened a ton tonight. And when he doesn't do that, when he, when, he, when he puts the ball on the floor once or twice or looks to drive or looks to dish or looks to shoot right away, when he's aggressive and decisive with the ball, it just happens less. As soon as – once he takes three dribbles, it's almost over every single time. And that's what happens. He just gets stuck in isolation, and it's a disaster. Um, and that's, I think, what happened at times tonight. But then you saw late in the game, really good ball movement. I mean, in fact, it was Tatum who found uh, Smart – for that, uh, but John, before that, two brutal turnovers. Yeah, mm-hmm. Nick, you got, Nick, you got a ton of feedback on your end every time you unmute. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, 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 a little okay. bit better. But yeah. um, th- he had a ton of turnovers, but you saw that one time where he didn't, uh, Julian, late in that game. He, uh, he's the one who found smart for that for that big three, 93-96, which was great. Uh, you know, moving the ball and they, they, they got a good look instead of Tatum kind of dribbling into pressure and forcing it. So I don't know. It's frustrating. We spent a lot of time on the postgame show talking about it. It's like you, you love how good these guys are I mean, I think one now. thing that's unfortunate. Yeah. Go ahead. What's unfortunate, too, is that you know that he, like, like you said, he did it tonight. And even during the bubble, like one of the, aside maybe from that February run before COVID, one of the best Tatums we saw is the guy that was getting nine, eight, seven assists every game in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I got to tell you, I, uh, and I know John's going to roll his eyes and probably boo me, but I, I honestly feel like no fans is affecting him and COVID in general. But I think he is motivated by the fans. You think back on all those highlights, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, he, he interacts with the fans like he can't with – a lot of times the media or when he's getting interviewed for – he was very good on Stephen A. Smith. But by the way, Julian, I'm not a hate Brad guy. Like, I'm really – Oh, no, I understand, of course. I, I, I'll beef it up, you know, because it's funny. But the truth of the matter is it's very frustrating to watch a brilliant, brilliant coach not be able to ma- manage these personalities. And as a fan, 
it is extremely frustrating that Danny Ainge has brought him great talent and they've wanted to leave. And that looking forward is really, really scary to me because you have to pass on guys like James Harden. Not that they had the opportunity 100%, but I was like, don't bring them here because it's Brad or Harden. Right. So that's my thing. And I, I, I truly respect him. And as a man, he, I really like him. He's a great, great guy. Um, I actually agree with you. And I think like your point about Doc being a, like more of a man. A, a leader yeah, I like your description. <laughs> leader of men. Yeah. And especially like the guys are talking the post game show tonight about Tatum not really being that leader. And I think you have to ask yourself, like, you know, in sports, people say all the time teams and players take to, they take after their coach. And if Brad isn't, you know, that fire right. kind of light of fire under you, does, is that affecting Tatum? I, I, I think to a I think to a certain degree it does. Some people think that coaching is like in that way of motivating is is irrelevant today. I still think these guys they need some sort of cohesion. Like when was the last time you saw I can tell you when. When J, uh, Brown and, and Tatum are up bumping each other in front of the banners at eye level right at the start of the season. There was great and it, listen, everybody likes to win, right? They're losing. But there was great chemistry then. Something happened. But this team has always been fragile, dating back to the bubble when they had the altercation in the locker room. I'd really love to let the experts talk because I'm just the, you know, hot taker here. So sure, I'd have No, Nick's the guy. Nick's the guy in the talk show that fires up the crowd, okay? I am. You know? Yes. <laughs> right. He gets yeah. out, he's going, Sherrod, I want to make sure. Can you hear us okay? I can hear you guys live there. Nice. There we go. So, guys, Sherrod, if you haven't already, tweet tweet to your tweet to your followers um, that you're here um, so they can join the chat as well. And anybody here who wants to ask a question specifically for Sherrod, um, you know, we'll put you up there. And, again, just letting everybody in the room know right now what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you up there. Uh, if you could just mute yourself until I call on you. Uh, and when I do, then unmute yourself and go ahead and fire away. Uh, and ask your question. But Sherrod, I just wanted to give you first bite at the apple here. We talked about it on the post-game show a little bit. It's funny. It was a really good win uh, and a win they had to have. It kind of devolved into a Tatum versus Brown um, conversation. We'll carry some of it over here. But just on the game itself, just your thoughts on um, Celtics pulling out a game that kind of sort of had to have after last night's debacle against Philly. Well, it, it's a game that they had to have. But it, it, it meant more, I think, to New York to not win this game than it did for the Celtics to win this game because the Celtics should have won this game. Uh, they're the better team. They have more depth, even with guys in health protocol and, and guys not playing back-to-backs. They're still the better team, and, and they, they did that. Uh, they did what you're supposed to do, and I guess that for me, that's where I'm at with this team. Uh, I am not moved forward or backwards, I am, and I am not budging until this team starts doing something that shows they're going – in a direction, whether it's beating the really good teams or losing to the really bad teams. But do something to move the needle. And that's my issue with this team right now. They are in the worst place that you can possibly be, and that is smack dab in the middle of nowhere. They're not necessarily trending upwards. They're not necessarily trending backwards. They're just kind of in that that weird kind of Mendoza line area where you just don't know where this team is going to head from here. And it's, you know, it. You just don't feel as though this team is, even with this win, it's, yeah, you beat the Knicks, but again, you beat the freaking Knicks. Yeah, it's, you're always one step forward, one step back. 
Um, and again, that's the problem is every time we try to gain, it's funny, you talk about the Celtics gaining momentum, Sherrod. You've been on the show now for the last, you know, uh, month or so. It's hard to gain momentum on the show. It's hard to gain momentum in any of our takes and anything that we say, because when you start to feel a little good about something, you have a game like last night and then it sets you back. Then you have this incomplete performance against the Knicks and you just, you, you kind of move on. You don't know how to feel. You're going to go into a game against Minnesota, a team you should absolutely smack down. And again, you're still going to be trying to figure out like, who are we? Who is this team? So they don't really They've yet to string together anything consistent enough to give you any sense of identity. We welcomed one of our uh, listeners on here, Dudley. Dudley, you can unmute yourself and fire away here. We have not only Sherrod Blakely, I've got Josue Pavone and Jimmy Toscano on here. If you have any questions specifically for any of them, you can direct it directly at those guys. Otherwise, just fire away with your thoughts. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Listen, uh, first of all, I want to thank you guys for your content. I'm a Celtics fan. Uh, from New York, so you can imagine how how difficult it is to get <laughs> right. some deep and Celtic content. Yeah, um, I I, I kind of want to take a macro approach. I kind of want to take a macro approach um, to the Celtics over the last couple of seasons, and I don't want to necessarily point the finger at Danny Ainge per se, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna point the finger at Danny. Um, I, I feel like I feel like the the entire setup for for Jason and for Jalen at this point. They were they, they were set up to fail, like this season, especially coming off the bubble. Now I know COVID and everything. This season was kind of weird, but it, it, it almost seemed to fail. And this, this is the reason why I say this. And I want to kind of get your thoughts on this. I, I haven't heard anybody say this, um, and if they have, I, I, well, I, I, I would like to hear from myself that I feel like the the entire setup was really for that year. Where you know you had Kyrie, you had Gordon, you had Al, you had Jalen, you had Jason, you had you know everybody, and that year where we completely wet the bed, um, because I felt like at that point it was like you, I've never seen a, a basketball team ever choose to go all in and at the same time have young players, so like I feel like it, it, we shot ourselves in the foot, like that year was it. Because you had all that talent, you had all that things to cash in for a championship. But if you don't do it, well, now you got your free agents that leave. And then when you got those free agents that leave, you have your young players that got to step up. But now you haven't made a team or designed a team. that you, You haven't even found out how the team looks like with them now being the stars. And now you're just left with a whole bunch of first-round picks. You can't flip because they're too late in the game. You can't get any veteran uh, players to come in to kind of, like, help them groom the young players and so on. And so now we're just getting a whole bunch of scrubs at the end of the bench for the last couple of years, and it's kind of, like, it's frustrating. So I feel like all the chips was in that one year, and now it's gotten to a point where it's like, well, you can't make any significant moves you can't do anything to bolster the roster. I feel like Danny shot himself in the foot. And now for the first time, he put all the chips in the row. Now, if it worked, it would have been great. But I don't even know how that would work when you have young players, you know, who are top picks in the draft. And you would, you, you're, you're kind of asking them to be role players when Kyrie is there and Gordon is there and all these different things. And all of a sudden, now you want them to be the star. It, it, it didn't really make any sense. And so now with, with no room to complete the roster because you, have, you can't trade, around, trade away those first-round picks. Now they're just garbage picks to fill up your roster and your 
I don't know. You're yeah, I, Dudley, honestly, I don't know that there's anything left to say. I think you said it all. One thing I do want to say is I hope that you do something professionally with your voice because you've got tremendous pipes. <laughs> um, but, uh, oh, my God. Uh, so uh, who wants to, who wants a, who wants a crack at this one, Jimmy? I'll be honest. I was in the chat uh, for that. I, I was actually commenting on how <laughs> I said Nick, Nick should get this guy a podcast immediately. Uh, oh, my God. I could listen to you talk all night, dude. Yeah, I was like, you just, just read just read me stories. <laughs> yeah. Just read, like... That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, like, uh, you know, the, the people that you could read along with the book, you know, you, know, you, the, you yeah. get the audio... <laughs> Right. Like you can yeah, narrate. You, you could you could put Morgan Freeman. On <laughs> yeah. When when we write the story of the 2018 debacle, you can narrate the whole thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh God. Yeah. And, and then I, I, I thought that was like Barry White. Wait a minute. I thought that was Barry White like singing to me. And that was so amazing. <laughs> and then Kyrie said, Dudley, "Right. Uh, tell me. Kyrie just tell me about the talk about the Kyrie era again. And Please, then Kyrie turned to me and said, What is government? You know." <laughs> <laughs> Look what does up. government mean to you? I appreciate it, folks. <laughs> Who lives in reality? Yeah. I do feel uh, bad, though. I, I'm going to have to pass on the answer because I literally was not focused. I mean, Sherrod, you – Yeah, I'll let Sherrod go. Go ahead, ahead just no, Go ahead, Sherrod. I'm, I'm just still marinating in Big D's voice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm going to come up for a little bit of air right now. Here's the thing. Uh, Danny did what I, I – when you lose Gordon – unexpectedly you lose Kyrie unexpectedly you lose Al Horford unexpectedly it's hard to get those guys to come to Boston and it's even harder to find adequate replacements and clearly you know Danny has not been able to do that uh and and that to me is is the next challenge for him to figure out the right pieces around Tatum and Brown because clearly those two guys that those are your cornerstones those are your pillars going forward and I just it's it's hard to do that because you again you, when you look at Kimba's contract you look you just brought Fournier aboard you've got um, our good friend Tristan Thompson who doesn't have a really bad contract but it's not great uh, it's difficult to move the pieces and get adequate replacements and that again I think that when I look at this team's struggles um, we like to point at the players, but I always go back to the, the players that, that are here and why they're here and who brought them here. And, and you know, a big part of why this team has struggled is because Danny Ainge did not have the right types of players around his two franchise players. And, and Jalen, I think, has been a bit of a revelation. No one anticipated he would be this good this quickly. Um, but you have to pivot uh, when, when, you think, when things change. When Isaiah Thomas came here, he was supposed to be a backup, and and he turned into a two time All Star. You started getting trying to get some guys to help, you know, balance that out. And when they made the decision that, well, not only can we, you know, get someone with a little more size, we can get someone with a lot more size and a lot more talent. And they went out and got Kyrie. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Danny does this off season because whatever this team does at this point in the playoffs. It is what it is. I mean, if they get to the second round of the playoffs, nobody would be surprised. If they get bounced in the playing game, would any of us be surprised about that? I wouldn't. No, but the embarrassment of riches on that team, when you look back on it, it's really a bummer because it is, as as, as Dudley had put it, there, there was that mix between the stars and the kids. It actually 
should have worked that you do like to have the mix between stars and kids there. And so that's why it, that's actually more of a reason why it should ha- should have worked instead of not because the kids should have known well we've got these stars in front of us the Hayward but, thing screwed it up but the Hayward, I was, I was but just gonna say that you yeah, had that complicated Hayward. things yeah because yeah. right because Tatum and Brown are like we did this already you know like we're we're, we're kind of we're kind of here right. and Rose and Rozier all of these guys arrived just a hair too early. You right. know, and Kyrie, and honestly, I think I think Kyrie's like, wait, this isn't what I it's, signed up for. If like, Hayward I was supposed doesn't to have, get Hayward hurt, supposed to be my guy, like that's supposed to be my but, my Robin or whatever, you know. Yeah, if Hayward doesn't get hurt, the the rotations are different. If they get through that first season, Kyrie doesn't get hurt in the playoffs, and those guys, and he plays through that season, those guys develop at the pace they probably should have developed instead of having been handed the reins. Then they enter that year two, kind of understanding like we're on the way up, and these guys are here. It might have worked, but it was it's so strange. Like if just it was just a little twist of fate, a couple things go different. That could have worked, and you could be in the middle of a Golden State Warriors dynasty. It is a tragedy that that didn't that they remember, didn't find a way to make that work. Remember those first six minutes opening night? How good that looked! Oh my and god, you're like, never... oh look at this team! Look how look how wonderful the ball is moving! You know, like, oh god, really depressing. Very. Thanks, John. Uh, I welcomed in. I welcomed in Malik. Uh, I, I welcomed in Malik here, uh, uh, who's been waiting. Uh, if you want to uh, uh, make a comment here. Malik, are you there? Possibly not. I depressed him. I'm going to bring... Oh, man. I didn't mean <laughs> to do that. He bummed him out. Well, 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 it is. It kills me, right? I yeah. mean, that's it's it's what could have been there, and it really is a bit of a bummer. And, uh, and, that, and that team was still, what, a, a quarter away? You know, they were technically winning that game against Cleveland, that game seven that would have sent them to the I, NBA Finals. Sherrod, let me is. ask you this, Sherrod. What part the entire game, I'm like, no chance I was going to win this game. No chance, no chance. LeBron gets dunked on by Jason Tatum, and I'm like, are they going to do this right now? Just for a second. That timeout for a second, Sherrod, it crossed my mind. Yeah. And then it was like, oh, wait, no, wait, wait. Snap, I snapped out of it, and then boom, you know, we, we, we know what happened next. But, Sherrod, did you think even for a second – now, be honest, and, and maybe this has something to do with it. Before tip-off, Vince Carter's next to me with ESPN, and he's, he's convincing me, like, oh, no, this is happening. The Southerners are going to win this game. Watch. And I'm like, nah, I still don't believe it. But then again, Tatum dunks on LeBron, and then, of course, he never touched the ball again after that. I absolutely thought they were going to win game seven. Oh, going in. see, I was I, the I, only I, one. It, I, I did. The only one. The, the I reason, did. Here's The reason why, one, LeBron is not used to having to close out a series on the road in a winner-takes-all type situation. Um, so I thought that was going to be a factor. Uh, I also thought the fact that the Celtics were just playing really good basketball and, and they were, but here's the thing that I thought played a major factor in that game seven. It was the first time in that series where the Celtics and their young, young kids actually had pressure to win. It was the first time they had true. This, it's today or it's, it's all or, or nothing pressure to win. And they, they didn't get it done. I mean, you look at Tatum's line, you look at Jalen's line, Terry Rozier, they were bad, man. It was probably the worst game those three guys have had in a playoff game ever. Uh, and that's what happens when you when you don't get it done when it matters most. And I, I always felt that it was going to be a learning experience that when they'd win a title three or four years later, you know, they look back on that as being kind of the turning point. Um, but obviously a lot has changed since then. Uh, not for the better. 
but man, I, yeah, I, I thought that that was their moment. And the, the one thing that it reminded me of when I think about it, you know, is just how small the window is to win a championship. Um, when you think back to the big three of, of Paul Pierce, KG, and, and Ray, and when they first came, got together in Boston in 2008, you're thinking this is going to last for a good four or five years. And then uh, one you know, knee injury. Exactly. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, what a John what, comment in the world. Jesus. Biggest all, John comment. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. Domino, that's all it was. <laughs> just wreck everything. That's all it was, man. K- I remember the game against Orlando. Uh, me too. KG Girl, comes up. College. He lands on one leg. He's hopping up and down. And we're like, oh, no. Like I turned turn to my girl. I said, he'll be all right. No, that be, 2009 team was way <laughs> better than the year before. Uh, that yeah. Remember the way they started? They oh. were curb stomping people. We we well, welcomed 19 in, and four. No, 23 um, and three. 23 dude, and th- dude, they were killing people. Uh, we well, we welcomed in Annie, who's been waiting patiently. So I want to let her uh, jump in and uh, and uh, and uh, comment on whatever she wants to talk about. Annie, go ahead. Uh, hey guys. Um, so I just want to say, first of all, I've been following you guys since the bubble. Oh, and cool. In fact. I am actually a Raptors fan. Oh, uh, we found one. Yes, <laughs> you guys made you guys made it for us. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So we Bobby's try our favorite, best. So Bobby's your favorite host. <laughs> oh wow! Of course, <clears throat> uh, got, he's an honorary Raptors fan, right? Um, I'm trying to get in. The Canada still won't let us in. It's, it's uh, really- Annie, fire! Don't so, sign the treaty. Don't sign. <laughs> um. So my question is. Uh, you know, this season more than any other season, I feel like looking at the team's record so far is perhaps the least helpful in terms of determining playoff success going forward. And I feel like the Celtics have had so many disruptions and missed games and uh, like from COVID. And then you have Marcus Smart's injury. And it just seems like they haven't had any consistency since the beginning. I mean, you even have like Evan Fournier gets on the team. You see a flash of him and then he disappears again. So I'm just wondering if you think that if the Celtics can just make the playoffs and everyone is healthy, if we might actually see a better team than what we've seen so far. Well, you know we're going to let Bobby Canada field this one, though, because this one's special for him, Sherrod. <laughs> yeah, this, this is what I talked about on the postgame show, the, the notion that this team hasn't had anything go right for them all year. and you know, Considering that a little bit more, like I, we're so adverse, especially in Boston. Like There is no excuse under the sun that's valid here. You win or you are a fraud. And I think in this year in particular, I think you have to discount that a little more. And that's why I defended Brad throughout this too, uh, because you know Brad has only had so many guys to put on the court through all of this. And I, the playoff thing that you mentioned, Andy, is it's all going to be about matchups. I mean, if this team gets lined up against Brooklyn round one, good luck. Like it's it's going to be over real fast. But if they get let's say Miami or some of these other middling teams here, and then they end up against Milwaukee round two. I think they're still as threatening as anybody to make it to that East conference finals. The top end talent's still there. I think they play an approach that's a little more methodical and can succeed in the playoffs. And again, I'm still waiting for it, but I think this team has enormous defensive potential and I've been waiting all year for them to turn on the switch on that end of the floor. Maybe it's just not there. But that's ultimately going to be what determines how far this team can drive. We we complain about the offense incessantly, but it's really been the defense that's been lagging this year. And if that comes around, you know, the, they'll still be capable of being a top 10 team offensively, top 10 team defensively. But, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on around here that I think Sherrod has emphasized that's preventing the you know talent on paper here from reaching its potential. And so you do, like – 
I, I think you mentioned this, John. You were watching 2019, and you just got the sense that this isn't right, and it looks like they might be able to figure out come playoff time, and they ultimately didn't because of other things beyond the talent on the floor. I don't get the sense that that's what's going on here, but if guys are still missing and they get a bad matchup here, like I could see this team going down round one. So it's all going to be about yeah. how it lines up seeding-wise. Sherrod, I'm curious your thoughts because we talked about this. You do wonder at what point whether whether they got in their own heads a little bit. And, Annie, thank you so much. Honestly, uh, we, we we joke about it. We freaking loved the Toronto experience. That was so fun. I know there's people out there probably from New York and Philly and other really good NBA cities. The Raptors games and the post-game shows we Those did the were, best. were lit. Um, the chat rooms were exploding. The fans are phenomenal. The, the city's great. I, uh, I, the team was, was awesome. It was I love phenomenal. That team. It was, of course, you do, Bobby. But it was, it, it was, <laughs> it was, it was the perfect series for that, though. It, yeah, was, it was awesome, and I'm glad it went seven. And that was the most fun we had, bantering back and forth with Raptors fans who were in our friggin' mentions and in our faces all day long. And it was a ball. It was a blast. But Sherrod, just wanted to get get your take on that. It possible they get in their own heads a little bit here because I do feel like the woe is me is creeping in a tad. And again, we mentioned it yesterday with that little comment. That, that Jalen made about that's our whole year, man. When they found out about Fournier, like you, you, you know, it, it's it, again, there are reasons why there's reasons and there's excuses. There's reasons, you know, that there, that things are happening and that, that, that they've had a difficult road, but you hate to turn them into excuses. And when you do, you're almost giving yourself a way out and a, and, 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 and a pass for uh, subpar play or a disappointing finish to this season. Well, I think one of the, the biggest issues that, that they're having is that, you know, th- this is a team that had duck boat parades in mind. And when things have, have gone wrong for them this year, and a lot of things have gone wrong, those duck boat parade aspirations have been replaced by a pity party. Uh, that they're, they're sounding more and more like they, they, they just feel sorry for themselves. And that's just not how you get yourself out of this. You cannot get to be one of the better teams, one of the last teams standing, if you are more consumed by all the issues that are limiting you as opposed to figuring out how the hell to, to put them aside and just win games. Because that's what this ultimately comes back to, winning freaking games. And the, the one thing about this Celtics team, I will say, uh, makes me very uh, cautious to bet against them, is that when you look at the success they've had with their core group now, the years where they've made those deep playoff runs wasn't supposed to happen. They were supposed to make progress, but they weren't supposed to get to the conference finals. And everything that we have seen up to this point indicates they have no business getting anywhere close to the conference finals other than the remote control in their hand when they flip the channel to see who else is playing because they're not going to be playing. But because of their track record of overachieving when the expectations are diminished, which is what they are right now, that is when this team has proven to be dangerous. I think the points that Bobby made about, you know, all the, the, the fact that they have not been a, a, frankly, a cohesive team because of COVID, because of injuries, because of protocol, because of a, just a litany of reasons. If by some act of the basketball gods, those things are not impediments in the playoffs, they could scare the crap out of a lot of teams. Uh, yeah. And that, I think, is, is the silver lining that these players – have to be reminded of or they have to be thinking about one of those two things has to happen because if they're focusing more on you know being criticized by the Shaquille O'Neal's and 
the Kendrick Perkins of the world, and and they're not focused on how can we beat you know um, a team like the Lakers uh, or a team like Phoenix or Portland that we'll be seeing soon. Uh, they're in trouble if they're not if their mind is, is on something other than just winning games, getting better, and frankly making the most of the talent that they have around. Because look, Evan Fournier is in protocol. He's not walking through that door tomorrow. Uh, to, to to pull a, a you know a line from our good friend Patino, uh, the guys that they know aren't going to be able to contribute. They're not coming back anytime soon. So you make do with what you have to work with, and stop worried about what others are saying and start playing. Um, real quick, then uh, I, we welcome someone else on the chat. I want to put them in there. A couple quick messages for you guys. Anybody listening right now, if you if you can or want to share this link with your friends or anybody you think might be interested, um, and um, and have them join the chat here. We're going to keep going for a little bit, so we'd love to have more people in the room and hear from more of you guys. Uh, absolutely, I did want to say also. Um, just a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Bet Online. Uh, anybody out there that likes a little bit of action, um, this is the place to get it. BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 um, for fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. CLNS50 for a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Uh, we're still rolling on the Celtics talk, and again, we can talk about this game real, real quick on Bet Online. Oh, go for RJ, it. That RJ Barrett three with. Like point one left on the clock mattered to some people for sure. Did it? Oh yeah. Was what was the line coming in tonight? The line was three. Three. That three took it from five to two. Oh no. no. Four to four to one. Yeah. Bad beats. Bad beats of the night. I love those. Oh, that is rough. <laughs> that is rough. Um it's like the ending of uncut. It's like the it's ending of uncut gem. Well, thanks, Joe Sway. I'm not gonna watch it now. <laughs> Wow, Jesus I didn't Christ. say what happened. Um, really? <laughs> <laughs> Just you know, if you see it, you get what I'm saying. I, I, know, you know, I movie, know, I know. That movie was really good, and it, but it was like that movie was, it was nuts. Like, movie it was anxiety sucked. from start to finish. I liked it a lot, but it was I was I was on the uh, maybe I just had anxiety just going in, but I had anxiety about the entire movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you're a gambler, you're gonna oh, that movie. Right? No, yeah. no, no. I am good. a gambler. I don't feel anymore. You know, like it's just you just kind of just roll through it. Um, I mean, that dude's there's gambling, and then there's what that dude was doing. I, I know, mean, that, I know. That was different. But... Um, let's welcome in Patrick here. Patrick, what's going on? Hey, how's it going, guys? What up? Good. What's up, good, Patrick? Good man. Good. Um, um, after covering the Celtics this year and just watching some of these past games and stuff, um, I have a take here that you know I, I feel like we haven't taken this angle enough. I feel like Kemba Walker has taken like a lot of criticism on this season and it's been on his offensive side, even though his offensive numbers are actually around career numbers. So I don't necessarily think Kemba Walker is the issue on the offensive side. Now the defensive side, when he does play, I've, I've been noticing a lot how teams are attacking him. It doesn't even matter if it's the third or fourth option on the team. They are attacking Kemba Walker. Like they, they literally they, they abuse him. As soon as they see him on the court, they abuse him. And at this rate of his career, it's like he's taking too much of a step back and, like, letting the Jays do what they want. His offense isn't equaling out with what he's giving up on defense. And he just became a complete liability. And then also our, our bench has been absolutely atrocious. I think tonight in the third quarter, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I have it written down here for my notes from my podcast, they had uh, 21 points in the third, qu- uh, third quarter. And you know who else had points in that quarter? third quarter, Robert Williams had a lob 
for two points. That's it. 23-point third quarter. 21 of it came from the Jays. I mean, yeah. you're going to wear these guys out like that. That's, that's I mean, not going to win basketball games. Tatum was playing what? Tatum played 42 minutes on the second night of a back-to-back, you know? Uh, those guys took four. Tatum and Brown took 45 of their 86 shots. I that, mean, that back-to-back stuff for coming yeah, killer. Half of their shots. And you're right on Kemba Walker. And again, I'm not going to field this one because I, you know, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've made my criticism of Kemba. The reality is Kemba's basically a zero net rating. So, I mean, it's, He's you know, we, we, we talk. Yeah. So, I mean, he was zero when I looked and then his numbers have dipped since then. That was a couple of weeks ago. He's, this is a problem with Kemba is, you know, we commend his defense because he puts in effort, but he's certainly an ineffective defender and he's easy to attack and teams absolutely do. And when he's going through poor shooting uh, stretches like he is now, he his value ends up being almost a net negative. But the problem is his value over replacement level on this team is still so high that when he's not on the court, they miss him. Well, and, and John, that that's to me that that's the issue. Uh, it's not so much about Kimba's ability; it's his availability. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, he—he's—we're we still got what another twenty or how many games left? Twenty some odd games left in the season, and Kimba's already missed twenty games this year. Yeah, is—is is he going to be able to play forty minutes in the playoffs? You see, I, it, it, and the the fact the fact that no one, not even Kimba, not even Brad Stevens, not even their medical staff, can answer that question with a high level of confidence is part of the problem. You don't know that if he can go 40 minutes. You don't know if he can go 35 with consistency. Uh, and, and that, when you're talking about someone who has his talent, his ability, uh, ability that this team is going to need if they're going to have any shot at making a deep playoff run, it really does feel like a roll of the dice when you talk about this team and their chances of being one of the last teams standing in the Eastern Conference when all said and done. Jimmy or Josue, we haven't heard from you guys in a bit. Any any thoughts here? And then uh, Miguel, yeah, I've got, no. Miguel, I've got you on standby. I want to hear from you in a second. No question. Yeah, I mean, that fourth quarter, Kemba, I mean, a couple of years ago, guys, like there were a few people in the Eastern Conference really doing it like that. You know, remember those classic duels between him and Kyrie where he got the best of Kyrie in Charlotte, 38 points. He gave it to the Celtics a couple of times. And then he, he was doing it. And you remember that, right? And then he was doing it for the Celtics, you know, months later. And it was incredible, obviously, for the Celtics to get out of that situation with Kyrie and, and, and have someone like Kemba right there. So, yeah, you see that Kemba in the postseason? Like, that can really push the Celtics to a different level, of course. So you're hoping for that. And maybe that's ultimately the payoff of not seeing Kemba on the second night of back-to-backs. Maybe that's ultimately the goal. Because, listen, the four, for the best of seven series, I mean, obviously there's no back-to-back there. They're being careful here with the safety and health protocols. You know, you're obviously staying in a city for four or five days, not a whole lot of traveling. So those sort of things could work in his favor. But I, I mean, yeah, that that's the something that, that's one thing that's sort of in the back of my mind here uh, when we talk about the Celtics and how deep they can go in the playoffs, the Kemba factor, or even is Kemba going to be able to say, you know what, guys, I think I got this one. You know what I mean? Like, you know what, Jason, I'm feeling it tonight. Let me get that ball. Yeah. Is Kemba going to be able to say? Give me that, you know, not even in that sort of tone, but just say, hey, listen. Yeah, just take this, over. Let me do my thing. I'm about to take over. You know, I know I haven't done this in a while, or I don't do it on the reg, but this is my time. In that moment, can Kemba be that guy? Right. Jimmy? Yeah, so when, when you guys left for the locker room, we, we closed out the show with, with a couple of questions of our, of our own from some of the commenters, and the question was, who is your pick for – I forget the wording now, but it was like – like uh, 
least expected player to step up in the playoffs. And I said Kemba because he's, you know, not a player that obviously he hasn't had a lot of uh, playoff experience. And last year he was, you know, less than stellar, whether it was due to the way he was being guarded or whether it was due to injury. Um, everybody would agree that, you know, it didn't go the way anyone envisioned it going really for him. So, you know, he comes in this season, he looks healthy in the games that he is playing. I know he's not playing back to backs, but you don't have to worry about that in the playoffs. So, I mean, that's a player that can really take you from, you know, good to, to great. If he's, you know, the Kemba Walker that we've seen in past years. And I think he's got a lot to prove. I think, you know, like just like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown hear the media talking, I'm sure Kemba Walker hears people saying that, you know, the Celtics are trying to give him away, you know, and he's, I'm sure got a lot of pride. And uh, I imagine, you know, on the big stage, he's going to want to prove that he still has a lot to offer, not only the Celtics, but, you know, any team in the NBA that, that ends up that he ends up playing for if it's not Boston after this season. So I think he certainly can be a player. And again, like he's a veteran presence and he's, he's somebody that, you know, I've appreciated over the years, his attitude and his, you know, I mean, cardiac Kemba, he's definitely stepped up in big, big situations. And this is a team that hasn't typically stepped up that big in fourth quarters this season. So you might need a, a, a clutch Kemba Walker in, in, in the playoffs. Right. Uh, Miguel, you've been hanging uh, around patiently. Uh, you have a comment for the crew? Miguel, are you there? Miggy. Huh. Miggy, Maybe we're gonna tr- we're gonna try Jake. Hello, Jake, Jake. Are you there? Hello. Can you hear me? We can. Fire away. What's going on, man? Where you, uh, where where, hey, where, are you, where are you where are you where are you traveling from? Yeah, yeah. I'm in Sydney, Australia. Um, All right. You guys keep me entertained in uh, the work afternoons. So it's about 2 p.m. It's about 2 p.m. here. Yeah, we got George in the chats too. We'll hear from him a little later. He's a fellow Australian. But yeah, fire away. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Um, I switch gears a little bit um, and talk about our boy Jason Tatum um, and the level of criticism. How much is kind of fair? I I do agree with with the body language stuff. It would be nice if when he dunked or hit a three he was actually excited um, but that kind of is his right? his personality yeah I, I i get that but at the same time like um this when the when you talk about the selfishness and all that stuff comes up and patrick made a good point earlier with the minutes like i had i just looked it up he's 12th in the league in minutes per game this year coming off covid um and that was when his defense really slipped off and like you see him in the playoffs last last run in the bubble and he's pl- cracking like 44 minutes every game playing as hard as he can on both ends and um i just think he's doing so much for this team like if they didn't have him they would be so screwed um so i just think that um the level of criticism often is actually a little bit too much and that we should be so thankful that we didn't draft Marco Fultz. yeah look i we agree jake it is i think across the board we think it is unfair, but also that's the, that comes with the territory when you are um, sure. a, a, a knocking on the door top 10 NBA player who's been tasked with leading the franchise uh, to, uh, you know, to, to a championship or to a championship level team. And so the expectations are ridiculously unrealistically high on Tatum. Um, and I think they'll continue to be. But guys, we talked a lot about this. Anybody anything to add here on that? body language stuff because we were a little rough on him i do think he can improve that with such it takes such minor effort 
to improve that, that I think if he did, some of the other criticisms would wilt away because so much of it is cosmetic at this point, where it's like if he just smiled or looked a little fiery or wasn't sulky or grumpy, a lot of people wouldn't give him as much grief, which I, I agree with Jake is a little bit undue. I, I, here's the thing about that. Um, I, I think far far too often when it comes to guys like Tatum, we project on him what we think is the appropriate way to be a leader to 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 in, to impact your teammates when at the end of the day he's whether he's smiling or whether he's frowning he's still going to give you 25 and 7 uh when you start looking at his numbers he's not um necessarily making the guys around him that much better and i think a big part of that is frankly the guys around him aren't that good <laughs> i mean I, I think that is why uh, a lot of times you know we're, we're trying to figure out why you know, isn't Tatum having a bigger impact on the game than what he's doing statistically? And I think part of it is because the guys around him just aren't that good. Uh, I go back to Danny Ainge. You know, Danny, again, going forward, I know he Danny has had a lot of unexpected pivots that he has had to make with this roster when you talk about, you know, Gordon Hayward opting out early and, and, and Al Horford doing the same and Kyrie, you know, saying, I want to come back. And then like, no, nah, it's just kidding. I don't want to come back. And I, I don't think Danny has been able to adequately address the type of players to surround Tatum with, to surround Brown with, in order for them to be an elite team. And I think this is a big, big offseason for him to, to address that in a significant way. Um, Tatum, I, I think, would it be would I like to see him be more emotional, attached to his teammates, to be more of a rah-rah guy? Absolutely. But I don't, I'm not convinced that's in his, in his demeanor, in his, in his nature, but just – by who he is, and I don't know if he's ever going to get there. But I have to keep reminding myself, and 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 I, again, he just turned twenty three, like about a month, you know, back, you know, first week of March, like March third or something like that. So we're not talking about a guy who is kind of set in his ways. He's got a lot of growth, both as a player, as a person, and as a leader, still left in him. And, and that's one of the reasons why, yes, we absolutely should hold his feet to the fire when he's not getting it done. But that doesn't mean that, you know, I think any less of him as an elite player or someone who's going to develop into that leader. I just don't think right now is his time because I just don't think he's ready to be that just yet. Hey, I want to see uh, Jimmy or uh, Joe Sway or Bobby, if you want to weigh in on this. I just want to tell everybody, um, again, uh, as you're listening here, if you can, um, give, a, give everyone in this room a follow. That way, when we do go live, you will be notified right away. Josue Pavone, Jimmy Toscano, myself, uh, Sherrod Blakely, Nick Gelso, Bobby Manning. Um, so make sure you follow us here on uh, Locker Room. Uh, and uh, as I said, when we do go live after every game, which we will for the rest of the season and into the playoffs, and possibly a bunch of one-offs if there's other news or other things we want to talk about, we could jump in here and, 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 uh, and hold chats, and we definitely want to have you guys on board. So by all means, do that. Uh, we also have Paris, who has a, who's rocking a picture of about a 16-year-old uh, Jason Tatum. In standby, Paris, we'll get to you in a second. Uh, Jimmy, uh, you wanted to weigh in on the, on the Tatum thing, though. Yeah, right before I do, how do you send, like, gems or whatever those diamonds are? How do you send those? Oh, is, is that a thing? I think so. 
Me, me, oh, and, I, uh, me and Joe Sway are racking. Jimmy, Jimmy, I have literally been trying to figure that out for the last half hour. What do you mean you're racking them up? I've, 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 I've got that. Me I'm and Joe Sway. We're blowing everyone away. I got, got gems <laughs> oh, for days. Wait, wait a minute. Is Jason Tatum in the house up here? You guys realize I'm 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 winning, and you you're 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 you're, you're competing with each other for second right now, right? <laughs> Who? I'm, I'm never giving you a, a diamond. I know that. <laughs> I'm not either. I want to make sure I don't give anybody else. <laughs> no, you didn't, Bobby. You can w, look. W you can see down too. below, right? I see. I have forty-eight guys away having them. Yeah, my I number's larger than here, both man. of yours. I got. Thank you, I got everyone, for, for the them. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to get them. I was just trying to figure out how to. Okay, now I want all the diamonds. Give me the diamonds. I'm trying to get them. Yeah. Paris just got four of them. No one will give Jimmy one. Um, Jimmy, go, Jimmy, go ahead. Bobby and I. Paris went for putting up with this nonsense, but um, listen, I want to say right at the top, I don't want to turn this into like a Jason Tatum like character assassination. Like nobody's saying that. Like I don't. You think don't like when smile. he doesn't smile. I think he should smile more for his own good and for his team's good. But I'm not saying he's a bad, you know, teammate or a bad leader or anything like that. I think that if he chose to put his energy in other aspects of the game, it would benefit him and his teammates. Instead of what's going wrong out there, instead of maybe focusing on the negatives of the game, if he could maybe focus on some of the positives, his team could respond to that more positively. And in doing so, now you're now you've got some momentum going in the right direction instead of in the wrong direction. And I know it's not going to happen overnight and I don't expect him to turn into, you know, uh, Draymond Green and become this, you know, instigator or, or become this player that he isn't. He's not Patrick Beverly. I get that. But at the same time, his role is changing on this team, but it's getting bigger and bigger. And players are looking up to him, even though he is younger. He's 23, but he's in a unique position because he is one of the best young players in the NBA. I mean, he's a top five young player. And by young, I mean like 25 or under. So he's in a unique position where he's He's being looked at to sort of lead the way on the court, um, even though maybe he's not ready to take the reins as an emotional leader. So it's certainly tough, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure that he'll get better at it as he gets older. And I think it's a learning experience, you know. Obviously, well, that's a question, Jimmy. Though, well, at what point do you go sure. from young player to veteran? Because he's been in the league a few years now, so like, it's, been, you're yeah, you're not far off. Like, in another year, can you keep saying, well, Jason Tatum's young? I don't no. think so. Like, that card, that's about to expire, you know, really really soon. I think and it might that's... already have expired on Jalen. Like, we're five years in. Yeah, like, you're young, sure. But, I mean, when you've been playing in the league since 18, you, you the, the age doesn't matter as much as the experience at this point. And so, yeah, but how, how long has Brown been a number two option? This is really year one of I understand all I'm saying is all I'm saying is just in general the expectation level I don't think has anything to do with their age as much as it does their experience or at least you have to look at both factors we keep saying how young they are but right now these are veteran NBA players they're veterans right and and I think that's John that's why you're starting to hear it this year is because they're kind of getting to that age. They've been in the league for, you know, X amount of years. And now their roles are, are such that they are the, they are the all-stars. They are the leaders they, you know, there's no Kyrie anymore. There's no Horford. There's no Hayward. You know, there is still Kemba. Um, but, you know, he kind of came onto this team with the idea that, you know, he was gonna sort of let, let the kids, you know, run the show almost. So I, I think in that sense, he's, he's, you know, taken on that role. So, 
again, it's like, you know, you're asking, maybe you are, maybe, you know, Jason and Jalen think that, that people are expecting too much out of them on the court and off, off the court. I don't know. I don't, but, I don't know. But the point is, it's definitely to that point now where I think it's kind of fair to, to question that sort of, you know, leadership style that, that they have or that they don't have. Let's welcome in Paris, who's been waiting, uh, you know, 16-year-old Jason Tatum here. Yeah. Right from St. Louis, uh, who's been waiting patiently uh, by Paris. What's going on? Hey, guys. <laughs> uh, I watched the show What's a lot. What's up, Paris? So I'm glad to be here. Oh, that's What's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do, just chill out after the game, and I enjoy the commentary. <laughs> and listen man. to us yell at each other. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's therapeutic, in a way. It is. It is. It's like the conversation that I, ha- that I have in my head. After watching this team stink it up for, for a few hours. Yeah. Uh, so I think my, my deal here is uh, I'm high in Jason Tatum. I have been uh, since his rookie year. Um, I think he's going to be an MVP caliber player at his peak. I really do. I think his issues are uh, are temporary. Um, I think he's got a really high ceiling, and, and I just, I'm inclined to believe that he'll reach it. Um, people forget he's, he's in his age 22 season. Uh, he's doing things that, that, that there's a reason he's in conversations, you know, like, like, like historically with these all time level players, I really think he can get there one day. Um, I'm not worried about him. Um, but I will say, I think we're in such a unique position here. I don't know if there's any precedent because it feels like there's just like a, there's a, the timelines are colliding. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything happen. Well, the, the way the Kyrie thing went down, um, we went from contenders one year to you know the next year not. Uh, just the the Brooklyn Nets heist. Um, I think it's I think it's crazy that we're in as good of a position long term now. Um, I think it's crazy considering how much better it could have been. Yeah, it worked out. Um. But I guess my, 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 my question here is just what do you do now? Um, are you going all in and trying to win now or do you want to position, your, uh, position yourselves for the future? Because I, I do think – and you guys talk about this a lot. I, I think Time Lord is a legitimate asset. Um, I kind of mm-hmm. worry about him. Um, I think he, he makes he, – I'm constantly holding my breath whenever he, he's making uh, some crazy athletic play. I know a few weeks ago he came down and, on one of his legs, and I, and I, thought, I, I thought that might have been it. Yeah. Um, right. But uh, – I know what you, you're saying. Yeah. You're saying, I, I, like, which, way, which direction do they go? Which way are they going? They're a bit of a crossroads right now. Exactly. And it's like it's a superstars league, and I, and, and I think the goal should always be here to pair Tatum – with another superstar, even if that means you have to trade Jalen, as much as I love Jalen, I don't think he'll ever become a superstar. Um, but I think that I, 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 I do think I do think that should be the goal. It's just a tricky situation. You have, you have, you have Kimba's uh, money on the books. Yeah. You have Smart's extension coming up. You have all these players you're going to need to pay. 
So how do you continue I, to win now and also not jeopardize? It's so tough. I, I'm dubious here. Real quick, Bobby, before you jump in, I just want to say we've talked about this quite a bit. They are in a bit of a bind because they keep kicking the can down the road. But I know oh Bobby's, got, Bobby's got a lot of thoughts here. Paris, I want to say thank you. And real quick, I just want to tell all the panelists before Bobby jumps in. We we said we were going to go about an hour. We're there now. So anybody who wants to drop off, Josue, Jimmy, Bobby, Sherrod, uh, feel free. I'm going to stay in here with whoever wants to stay in here because the room is full and there's a lot of people who want to talk. So I'm going to keep it rolling. But if you guys want to drop off one at a time here, by all means. Uh, but uh, Paris, thank you for the comment. I am going to welcome some more uh, chatters in there. But Bobby, why don't you go first here? I see everyone getting prepared for this. They have been so passive with the assets – and the players that they possibly could have flipped for all these years. And Sherrod introduced this already, but they put themselves in such a brutal position at this point that you alluded to, John, where they don't have quality pieces to make those win-now moves, go-all-in moves. And that's that's what Kemba was. I mean, they had a crossroads there where they could have gone young and just kicked the can way down the road with Tatum and Brown or sold the multiple picks that they had the you know players like Terry Roger, who they had the year before, could have got some for him. Could have got some for Marcus Morris that previous year. They just lost so much for nothing, including the picks, which they just did not end up picking good players with, and that left them bare now. And so now you're in a position where you might end up making some additional additional mistakes off of that to compensate. And you, you know maybe Kemba was that to some degree. Um, and you know the picks that they have down the line they still haven't moved those so at some point it's going to be like are they going to draft another player this year are they going to use that for something and that's going to be a massive question this offseason because I think they should have given up this year's pick at the deadline and I don't think that was the haggling point over Gordon it seemed like it was not just nice but again at some point you have to use this stuff my god so, yeah, I don't making, even want to know what that was. Who's who's, who's we, making we got, a, what I hope is a smoothie. smoothie? I hope is a smoothie. A think, mango think, strawberry smoothie. I think it was the it was it was um the person who we were about to ha- ask. Might have been our friend did. Isaiah. Who, yeah, was, mango uh, strawberry. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Might not have known he was in there and and was making a, a little smoothie, but yeah, I would have gone strawberry. But somebody had a really squeaky yeah. door. Yeah, there was like, it was like <laughs> yeah, well, who was cracking up? John, I think it was John. He couldn't control himself. Uh, he's like mother's <laughs> home. John, I'm the only one yeah. getting all your takes. Stuart Smalley, I'm good enough. I'm starting. I got that. Did, one. did you get the Did you get the Keystone one, Nick? Yeah, Keystone, Keystone cops. cops of course. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. Wait, Isaiah. Have, Isaiah, Isaiah, have you finished the smoothie? Yeah, man. I had no. Can we can, take diamonds away from him? Can you tell us what, what you just made? Like, what, what's in that smoothie? We, people need to know. Peanut butter, of course, man. Hell's peanut yeah. butter smoothie, come on. That's good. No, I love you need that. Is there any? Exactly. Yeah. You got to get a little peanut butter in there. Maybe a little chocolate drizzle, but, you know, it's okay. I love it. Uh, what, <laughs> what, what do you got for us tonight? <laughs> what's going on, guys? Um, I, 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 
I saw you guys were talking about um, the move that Danny made, and it seems like that's all we talk about is the move that Danny made, and how every in the fallout from all the moves that Danny made. Brad gets heat because guess what? He has the roster that Danny made. We don't know if JB and JT like the way the roster is because guess what? Danny made the roster. Uh, we got guys on the roster that shouldn't have been there for a couple of years, like Sammy Ojale. Why is he still there? Like, they, like these are all Danny problems. And it seems like we're all talking about things that Danny either should have done, didn't do, or did do that he shouldn't have done or that he shouldn't have even thought about doing. Like, like for instance, the, the Kemba move seemed to be another knee-jerk reaction, kind of like the Gordon move. It's like it snuck up on him out of the dark, and he said, oh, I got to do something. Let's bring Kemba back. And then we bring Kemba back, and we find out that Kemba isn't the point guard we thought he was. He can score. But is he really a facilitator? And isn't that what the team kind of needs right now? When we're talking about paint touches and getting the ball into the paint, isn't that the point guard's job to make sure that the offense is rolling the way it needs to? Why is there so much pressure on JT uh, to play to play make? Why is there so much pressure on JB to play make? You know, why is Marcus the best playmaker on the team, period, when we're paying Kemba $30 million? These are all problems that seem to come from moves that Danny has made. And, and to me, I, I have hope because I'm a Celtic fan. So every glimmer that I see, I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is the roster, the rotation. This is it. You know, so I'm always going to look at the glass as half full because I'm a Celtic fan. You know, but when we really strip it all away and, and uh, all the things that we seem to be talking about, all the cans we're kicking down the road, are all things that Danny's done. Yeah, and sure. to me, is it time to... Is it time to start really thinking about changing the philosophy on what kind of team we're building? Because to be honest, I don't even know what kind of team we're building. It seems like we started with the Golden State build and we got to beat the Golden State and go small. And it seems like the NBA has kind of drifted away from that with guys like uh, Jokic and, and um, Anthony That's a good Davis point. And, and, and guys like Giannis. <sighs> We've gone away from that and they're yeah. still trying to build a four-wing-out well, four team. Well, if you notice, though, that's why they were so high on that big, that kind of athletic four, you know? It went away from that classic wing to a Gordon-type player because they realized we need something there. We've had this conversation a ton. Sherrod, you can address this first. But, you know, Isaiah, I, I just say the thing we've talked about a ton is, yeah, Danny's done this and knee-jerk reactions and covering things, but he also got the players that for some reason didn't want to stay here. And I don't know who that is on, whether it was yeah. a mismatched unit that they couldn't play together. And you can put that on Danny or did they not like the way that Brad was? Are we wondering why Kyrie kind of left? <laughs> yeah, but it's no, but I mean, Kyrie Gordon, Al, you, he got, he got great. He got the best free agents available on the market three out of four years and traded for Kyrie. And a lot of them, all of them left for nothing. So I, I don't know that you can blame Danny for everything because he's had to make knee jerk reactions when players left and didn't resign. But Sherrod, go ahead. No, the, 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 I mean, John, you, you bring up a lot of really good points about Danny. And, and yes, he has put together some pretty impressive rosters on paper, but their, their ability to transfer, transfer that potential into a proven body of work has fallen short. I mean, when you have a Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, two young young studs like Tatum and Brown, you should be talking potential dynasty in the making right there. And obviously Gordon's injury threw a major monkey wrench into all those plans. 
But that being said, you still had enough pieces to where you should have been set for a really, really long time. And and I, you know, they need. I, I really do think they need to do a long, exhaustive soul search to figure out what do they need to do differently. Because when you have that type of talent and you create the kind of opportunity in a major market like this with a organization that seems to be, from a culture standpoint, um, doing right by the players, and yet for whatever reason, guys are like, nah, we're good. We, we want to bounce. You got to start asking yourself, why does this keep happening to us? Because I, I, don't, I think Danny has to really figure out what's, what can he do to get – this organization back to where they are competing at the highest level over an extended period of time. Because we look at the trade deadline. I mean, Brooklyn clearly got better. Milwaukee added P.J. Tuck, Tucker. They got better. Uh, you start looking at, you know, just the teams that are headed in Miami. You know, they, they got all the people for nothing, basically. And, well, yeah, it was great that they got Fournier. He's going to help them. But, again, COVID test positive, missed games, come back, test positive again. Now he's going to be out for who knows how long. Um, Danny's got to do, he's just got to do better. He he has to do better, put Tatum and Brown in better situations, better players around them so that they can better withstand some of these setbacks that they're having. Anyone else want to chime in on that? Otherwise I'm going to welcome in George. George, you want to, un- you want to unmute? Yeah. What's going on guys? You can What's hear me on? well? Yeah, we got yeah. you. How's it going? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. I just wanted to shout out Marcus Smart really, really quickly. I know he's listening in. Um, it's a good game, man. Um, <laughs> actually, also, also before, I, before I was I'll say what I was going to say, um, Bobby looks jacked as shit in his picture. So shout out, shout out Bobby. So, <laughs> that was, yeah. That's, that's a nice neck. Um, I thought, yeah, just a big shout out. That's, that's fine. Um what I was going to say, I just love Jalen's aggressiveness. Like, seriously, um, not only I've got him in my fantasy team, he gets me points, but no, he's just, like, we, we talk about it all the time, his aggressiveness is, is just, it's it's a pleasure to watch. And sometimes when Tatum, like, we all know, like, you know, we, don't, we can't deny how good he is, but sometimes when, you know, Tatum just holds onto the ball for 12, 13 seconds and it's like, oh, just go to the rim, you know, but... Um, I thought I thought um, yeah Jalen had a great game, but what did you guys think of uh, Romeo's game? Um, he, I mean, he played al- played almost twenty five minutes. I thought he was just hesitant to shoot. I yeah, thought John. like I don't know what what Fine. do you think, John? Fine, I'll leave Fine. it. Look, no, look, I, I I'm I am and have been bullish on Romeo playing. I think starting him was a little dubious, even though yeah. you know I was enthusiastic. I just don't think he knew. I don't think he knows how to play off those guys yet, and mm. they've been. And, and it just, it showed almost right away. And in fact, I think it impacted the whole first unit because it, with Rob out there too, that, they just looked terrible that often. Yeah, but- it was, it was evident early. So I just, it, I, it wasn't the right fit for Romeo. I know he yeah. he wanted to try it, but this is guys. We've been around the world on this. I, the fact that he plays defense keeps you in the game. It was just a, it was just not a great game for him. I mean, knocked down a couple threes, had a few offensive rebounds. It's not like he didn't contribute. It just I think it was I think it was a tough situation for him to be thrust into. Uh, but guys, we've been all over the map here. This is the this is in the non Kemba games. Prior to the trade deadline, you're staring down the bench and you're looking at semi 
or Grant or a double big lineup, and all of those suck. And today he looked down that lineup and he said, I'm, uh, let's roll the dice on Romeo, and I don't think it worked. But again, what else would you have done tonight? What would you have done different with Kemba out and no Fournier? Yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, George, I, 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 I dumped you by accident. Um, what, what would you guys have done differently tonight? I mean, Romeo was an ill fit in the starting lineup. What would you guys have tried? I thought, I thought that was, that was a, you know, not a bad idea to try him because of, again, because of what you don't have and the fact that, you know, if, if you're, and he can defend. He can defend, and you're looking for a spark. You're looking for something that you haven't seen before. You know what you're getting. That's why I always have been in favor of it, Sherrod. I know Bobby has a different take where he's like, he wants to play the old reliables and just give me semi, you know, and a cloud of dust, and I'll be happy. But that's why I always want to try it. But then when it falls flat like this, or when it just doesn't look good, you're like, ugh, I get why Brant's doing the other guy. Well, you'll be surprised to hear this, John, but Romeo – is my surprising guy to step up in the playoffs this year. And oh. I thought that was a good step, good step toward that. And again, I want this team to become great defensively. And that's going to require a guy like Romeo. That's going to require Tristan, certainly him getting up to speed. And he did his whole thing again tonight. Like we're playing for something bigger. We're taking our time, blah, 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 blah. So I'm holding out confidence that he's going to, you know, go on a put, he's going to flip the switches they used to say in Cleveland come playoff time. And this will be a great defensive squad, but Romeo is going to have to be part of that. You mentioned Jemmy. Like he just, he's not as good defensively as he was when he came into this league for some reason or another. We know Grant's not. Um, good I flip, uh, based on how this team plays. So out of all those bench wings, I would have considered. Are we losing Bobby here? Is he, or is it just me? No, he got a little quick. He got a little wonky there, but I think. Okay, he's fine. I was just gonna say, if they had started Pritchard tonight, I wouldn't have been upset with that. I mean, that's a guy that I think a lot of Celtics fans have kind of been waiting to see get his start. You know, Kemba Walker has missed so many games, and you know, somehow they have avoided you know sliding Pritchard into the starting lineup in place of Kemba. So I. I wouldn't have been surprised if that had happened. And it's, it's been bad when he's been out there though with the starters. Sure. I mean, I just, if you're looking for, I mean, I, if the alternative is, is, you know, Romeo, then I, I don't know how much worse you, you're, you're talking, but you know, they gave it a shot tonight. I, I don't know if you'll see it the next time it, the opportunity arises, but I mean, if was, he, was he that pursuit, bad tonight, John? He was I don't bad think on he was, offense. No, I don't think he was that bad. No, I, just think, fine. I, I think he dragged down the offense a lot, yeah. you know, because again, he just didn't know where those guys wanted. It's hard to play with Tatum and Brown because you don't know when they're going to move it. You don't know when they're going to hold it. You know, like I think you haven't had enough reps with those guys. He really didn't know it. We joked about it a couple of times. I mean, that one time where Neesmith is running around and he just runs and he stands next to Tatum and Tatum's like, what the fuck are you doing here, dude? You know, like, you know, like Romeo's going to suffer a little bit from that as well because he just doesn't know. He hasn't played with these guys enough. And again, when you throw Rob in there and you have somebody who's not going to shoot it as well, you know, you just, it was kind of just a cluttered mess, um, you know, uh, with that. It just, the, the lineup didn't fit. Um, so I, 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 you know, I, I want to see him be a little assertive on offense. I think he's got to do that with a second unit. I don't think he's going to be able to do anything offensively, anything offensively with Tatum and Brown on the floor. Yeah. Yo, fellas, I'm going to I'm going to bounce, but I'll talk to you guys all on Friday. 
Okay. Thank you, Jimmy. I'm going to welcome a couple more people on here and we probably will wrap it. We've had a few people hanging out here for a bit who do want to get in here. I'm going to try Ronnie. Uh, Ronnie, are you there? Hello? Ronnie, what's up? All right. Um, if I have to see Grant Williams walk on the court one more time, I might just become a Bucks fan. I'm done. I can't. <laughs> I, I really can't. Like, at this point, literally play Taco and Rob. I just don't care. Just Or pick up someone off the street. Just put me in, coach. Like, I can't watch Grant. He, he just doesn't affect the game at all. He hurts us more than he helps us. It's almost playing four on five. But Bobby yes, Mitten. Bobby Manning loves Grant Williams. He's going to tell you why Grant is has value. Right, please don't who please close don't. this game at center. <laughs> I just I could have I really could have. <laughs> I I want to see I, I want to see them about... try that more because I think that's his position in this NBA. I think he's a center. I think he's got to you know hold guys down in the post with his strength, all center of gravity, all that stuff. You put him on the wing, it's going to be bad, and it's been bad all year. Sherrod. I, I wow. I, I like Grant as a person. Hello? Let me just start off by saying that. Hang on there, Kes. Stay muted until I call for you. All right, all right cool. Thanks. I like Grant as a person, but I'm not feeling great if, if at down the stretch he's my center. That means something is not right with my roster if I'm leaning on him to be that guy. I like Grant as a person is like when someone says, what do you think of her? And you say, she's nice. Like, that's like, this is such a, that's such a backhanded compliment. I like Grant as a person. Like, yeah, but do you like him? Like, exactly. <laughs> oh, she's exactly. nice. She's nice. Yeah. He's a nice player, but nice. you know, yeah. no, but I mean, Grant, again, I, you're talking about a, a late first round pick and, and typically those guys, they <laughs> super personality. Yeah. Funny. (laughs) Really smart. He's spunky. He's spunky. He's really spunky. (laughs) (laughs) I've never yeah, I've never heard that one. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm I'm playing the dating game here when you're trying not to say what you really want to say about him, which is what Sherrod is carefully trying to do right now. He was uh, well, maybe I'm out of my mind, but I felt like he was a real contributor last year, and for some reason or another, he has not been this year. So yes, I I, I don't I disagree. Agree. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I think agree he, with that. I think he showed that he could have some value last year, though it was so obvious that it was a low ceiling. It was a. It, it looked like a high floor, low ceiling pick based off of what you got last year, where you thought this guy's going to be a pro. And he's going to hang, and he's going to be able to contribute and be a rotation player. He's never going to be, uh, he's never going to be great, but solid. And now, honestly, and I've said this semi-jokingly, but I don't, I, I, I kind of mean it. I don't know that he's in the league for a second contract. Like I don't know that this guy has a future because I just don't know that he does enough. Um, and the older he gets, I don't think he's going to necessarily get better. The lack of athleticism and the lack of a true position or fit. He's a really, you really got to kind of squeeze him into the right situation to get max value out of whatever it is that he's going to bring to you. I guess if he somehow gets that three-point percentage up and he's a consistent 40-plus percent three-point shooter, he would have some value as kind of that small ball five. And I do think, Bobby, that's his best role. I don't like him out there on the court with another big. Um, but 
you know, I, I think that the Celtics have been such a mess with trying to figure out what pieces to play where that you're just seeing him kind of all over the place. And it, it's been a down year. He also doesn't look like he's in. I, he's the type of guy who I think might need to be in a little might need to be a little leaner um, because I think he's going to be strong regardless. I, I, I think he could use a little bit more mobility. That's my take. Cass, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, fire away. Um, gentlemen, I, I just think we're tiptoeing around the obvious. I I was a, a Brad fan, truthfully. I mean, <laughs> let me say this. Um, from the barbershop I used to go to back when, before COVID, I used to tell people Brad was, they called him Triple B. Maybe Bill Belichick. And to this point, he's just failed the last two years. And we talk about Jalen, we talk about Tatum, we talk about this, we talk about that. The man pulling the strings is Brad Stevens. And I keep on hearing that there are no options for coaches. How is that even possible? Like, like even that, bringing that up in, 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 into the discussion is silly to me. I'll put one man's name in the ring, um, a hat in the ring. Um, Sam Cassell, two S's, two L's, right? Former um, um, Celtic player. Yep. He's won the championships before. I think he has a pedigree. He's been under um, Doc Rivers. Why not bring something else to it? I think when, when people knock Marcus Smart, I less knock Marcus Smart, but more Brad Stevens for allowing Marcus Smart to do what he does. If if this man is not the type of person to drive his players to need to, the way they need to be driven, what are we talking about? Hey, I'm sure he's a, a, a fine family man, a uh, pillar in the community, the whole nine yards. But when it comes down to coaching this team in the East, look, I'd rather have Spolstra, even Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse, which is the type of coach who would damn near cheat to win a game. Uh, who, who wouldn't want that right now for this team? Somebody to really dig down deep and fight. And I just don't feel he's that guy. I am so frustrated. Now, I'll say this. My wife is the person to put me onto that because for the longest time, I didn't want to believe it. But the more and more I see this man perform, granted, how many more years will we do this? Like next year? The year after next? Like when is, when is enough enough when it comes to Brad Stevens? Talk about that. Let's dedicate the next five minutes to that. Well, we've had this conversation a bit. What's funny is in our chats, quite a bit people are like, you guys won't talk about Brad. We will and do and we've absolutely openly questioned whether or not you know you both things can be true brad can be a really good coach and brad can also be not the right coach for this team so it's that remains to be seen i don't know if we can do that yet emmanuel i have you on standby if you can mute and we'll get to you in a second but who wants to take this one first sherrod bobby who who wants a shot yep yeah i got it here's the thing about brad when we talk about Tatum and, and he and, and Brown and the criticism that they get, a lot of it stems from the fact that, well, you know, these guys are young and maybe they'll figure it out over time. And you need to have a similar mindset when it comes to Brad. Brad ain't used to having this kind of talent. Remember, Brad has done his best work when he has had teams that were there was a higher ceiling than actual floor to work with, where there there's basically, you know, the the he had underdogs. He works better when he has less to work with so that he tends to have them overachieve or, or at least perform better than you anticipate. But when he has to have front runner status, um, that's a little different. I think the, to me, the question that, that, that needs to be asked, can he get this team over that last hurdle? 
and, and that last hurdle is winning a championship of being a team that has elite talent that plays at an elite level. That to me is, is if you're talking about like, you know, what Brad's future is, that's the, that's the issue. Uh, because the man can coach. There's no doubt about that. But can he be a championship coach? You know, I, I think back to when I was in Detroit and they had Rick Carlisle, who in his first two years in Detroit won 50 games, was coach of the year his, his first year. And then they brought in Larry Brown. And in Larry Brown's first year, they won a title. Now, is there a coach out there that they could theoretically bring in and could deliver on that level? I don't think so right now. Um, and, and that, to, to me, is ultimately what this comes down to. Uh, as, as much as you know, folks are concerned about whether Brad is the right guy, uh, I think he is. I, I think he'll figure this out over time. And I, I do think the Celtics will eventually win a championship with him. But is there someone that you can think of potentially could come in that's available that can get you closer to that point right now? Well, so Sherrod, just just my counter to that is I agree with you when you talk about Detroit, but I guess are we at a point now where we're just so scared to find out? Are we not going to be brave but, enough to step out on faith and say, okay, let's give something else a try? The man's well, been there for eight years. Well, let me like, let me at, at let a me, certain let, point we have to allow that opportunity to happen. And okay. and the thing is this, I, I'm from Boston, born in Boston, I don't live there now. I live in D.C. We all know that it's hard for us to get stars in the first place. So we got two thoroughbreds, mm-hmm. two young boys who want to play for us. How many cats have actually yeah. dipped, have well, left? Emmanuel, at a certain point in time, don't you get frustrated? God knows I do. Well, Emmanuel, you one thing, right up and down. One so thing I want to say to Sherrod's point. I'm just looking for, I want somebody to come in there and make it happen. Come on. But just real quick, I want to say to Sherrod's point, and then Bobby, I want to hear what you have to say there too, but... Uh, I, I don't think I, I think the mistake people make when assessing whether or not to move on from Brad, and this is the one place I, I disagree here, Sherrod, is I don't think you have to look at whether or not you're going to find something better. I don't think that's how it works. No, Nobody, I think you do. No, no. Nobody fires a coach and knows who the next coach Steve is. Steve Kerr. You, Steve Kerr. You, I'm Steve saying, Kerr. but I mean, I'm saying that's not how it that's not how it works. You fire a coach because you decide you need a new direction. There then it is. You, then, you inter- then you interview a bunch of people and maybe get the guy you want, but nobody knows who their next coach is when they move on. They've just determined that this isn't working anymore. Like in a relationship, you don't get divorced and know who your next wife is going to be unless you've had it going on oh, the side on. the whole time. Like That's it. you just you just know it's not working. So if you determine that you rip you pull you you pull the ripcord and you just say we're gonna change and then you go seek the new coach. That's it. Does, it. Are you, it you, you can't you you can't you, do you be can't have them lined up. Though, but the, and just every, not have a every coach. Celtics every Celtics fan makes the same argument, which is who's gonna be better? I don't know. They don't know. It's it isn't always better when you've decided to move on. It's because you've decided it's not working anymore. Not because you're certain the next one's going to be better, but you're trying a new direction. So I hate that argument of are they going to be better and who's next? You don't know that yet. You don't know that. But you haven't. You're but here's the right. thing. When you make the decision to move on, there are certain factors and traits that that coach didn't do or doesn't possess that make you want to move on from them. So you have a pretty, pretty good idea of the type of coach that you need to bring in if you're going to get rid of him. And I think if, if Danny ever got to the point where he was seriously thinking about that, it will not take him very long to figure out who the next coach would be because he will have 
clear bullet point type agenda items that my next coach has to have X, Y, Z, one, two, and three. Like, for example, when, and again, I use the Detroit example just because I, I think it, it works in this regard. They needed a coach that could make their best players more accountable right. to focusing on winning a championship and believe that they could win a championship. And not that they could just get a little bit better, but that they were going to win a championship. That was the – it was win it or nothing, all or nothing. And I don't think that there's a coach out there that's available that has the cachet that they could bring in and do that. And so that's – I think that's part of why Danny isn't eager to get rid of Brad because he doesn't believe that he can find someone that can get the job done better. Walter. Just kidding. Um Anybody else on this topic? And again, uh, thank you, Kess, for, for jumping in here. Or, uh, I'm sorry, who was, who, it was Emmanuel. Sorry. Emmanuel. Yeah. Let, yeah. Emmanuel. Good stuff, Emmanuel. Good, good stuff, stuff. Good stuff. Absolutely. Let's no, see. I'm Let's... Emmanuel. I'm Emmanuel. <laughs> yeah, that was Kess. That was so Kess. That was Kess. Emmanuel, you're on. De- sorry. Yeah, yeah. That was Kess. Let's see how the year ends. And if it's a massive disappointment in the end and this just crashes and burns a la 2019, you have to consider it. Because, as we say, there's not a ton of flexibility here, and ultimately the only change you might be able to make at that point is a coach. I push back heavily against firing a mid-year because what are you doing then? You're just moving on to Jay Laranega, and nothing changes there. Mid-se- mid-season, you see who's available. You don't you do that mid-season. You could possibly be a fit – or not, uh, not mid-season, off-season. Yeah. You see who's available. If something's intriguing there and you just had a massively disappointing finish that you think the coach was right in the middle of, you make that consideration then. But people have been screaming for it all year. And again, I think it's tricky in sports in general to have stuff go the way it has with COVID and all these other things and then fire a coach for it. I hated that colleges have done that. I didn't like Doc Rivers getting fired with the Clippers, given all that was happening yeah, out there. Yeah, that seems but, silly, but... But the Sixers benefited from that. And who knows how the Sixers would have gone if Doc didn't miraculously become available then. Um, So, again, a lot of stuff slides a bunch of different ways here. The Golden State example is an interesting one because Jackson did a good job there bringing them up. And then, you know, right time, right place, Steve Kerr became available. He was the right guy who appeared then. They decided after that 2015 boldly to move on, and it worked. So I think it can work. It's just you do need the right guy. Emmanuel, have you had your say yet? I'm sorry. Uh, no, not yet. Um, yeah, fire away. I had two of you guys waiting on deck, and I and I just uh, wanted oh, no, to make sure, wanted to make sure you got your you got your say in. And oh, no, uh, yeah, fire away. Um, yeah, so I have two questions, and they kind of correlate with each other. Uh, my first question is: Is JV really the number one? Like, and I know people are gonna keep saying Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum. And I understand the superstar potential and everything. And I understand how good he is, right? But I'm looking at JV's, like, stats. And I'm looking at even in the playoffs against the Heat and where he didn't really get to touch the ball. And it was just Jason Tatum and Kemba going one-on-one. And they kind of lost us to that series. I I really do believe that kind of lost us. I think Bam, obviously, but then coupled with Jason Tatum and Kemba just going ISO, I think that's part of it as well. That has lost them three straight playoffs when you really think about it yeah and one more just one more question oh sorry i'm sorry um no go 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 um and this the second thing too i really do think jb is the number one i I really do think that i think jason tatum is really good i think he's a superstar i think he could be a number one on any team also i just think jb with efficiency 
and he's putting up similar numbers. I just feel, and he's a defensive. He, I mean, not lately, but majority of his career, he's been a defensive. Well, Saltworth. He, I mean, he locked up. Um, what was his name? Pascal. Any, any kind of locked up Jimmy Butler in that series as well. He broke Pascal's spirit. Yeah. Right. And so, and my second question is, I don't think Kemba Walker is the point guard. I don't think he's a point guard. I, I know people love Kemba, and Kemba is like a really good player. I'm not trying to bash him or anything. He's a really good person and, and all. But he's like five eleven. He's really nice. Six feet, six feet tall. <laughs> Spunky. He's not. He's not a point guard. He's not a point guard. And I think JT and JB are two ball dominant. Like yeah. what they're going to become are two ball dominant. Like Kawhi, Paul George type players, two ball dominant. You know scores. And you look at Kawhi PG's problem is that they don't have a point guard. And now they do with Rajon, which I thought we should have gotten in the, uh, in the I, trade I, or something, but. I didn't I mean, mind that either. Uh, Josue, you want to jump in on either of those? We haven't heard from you a bit. Emmanuel, thanks, man. Yeah. Did we lose Josue? He's he's here in spirit only. Bobby or Sherrod, go for it. I um, I'm I'm a big fan of of um, second tours of duty. Uh, I would love to have seen Rondo back here because. Again, when you look at this team, you know, one of the low-key missing ingredients is, is just a, a facilitator whose focus is doing just that, facilitating. And, you know, whether he was a Celtic, Laker, whatever team he's on, Rondo has stayed true to who he is as a player in this league. Um, he, Where he's at in his career, what he can do, uh, seems like it, it would have been a perfect fit for what this team needed. Um, but... You know, I I just think the Celtics, you know, they they they're just in a weird place now, man. I mean, it's like you know, I just think they're too good to just blow this thing up, and they, but not quite good enough to just make a a slight subtle tweak to be right back in in, in the in the uh, the run with champions. Uh, and it's it, it's it's going to be an interesting off season for Danny Ainge because he's going to have to make some pretty bold and dramatic moves in order to really move the needle and get them from, from where I think they're trending towards being, which is somewhere in the middle of the pack. And that is the worst place to be uh, yep. when you're talking about being in the NBA. So I'm, I'm really, as, as much as I think the Celtics do have the potential to make a nice little run uh, towards the end of the season and then to the playoffs, the off season is really is going to be, I think what's going to really get my juices flowing and get a lot of fans fired up because I think that's when they're going to have opportunities to make the type of moves to make the kind of changes that will get fans back excited and engaged about this team's chances of being one of the last teams standing when all said and done yeah Tatum Tatum's uh not Tatum Kemba's that x factor in the playoffs if he's any percentage of his old self which we've seen in flashes at times this year uh, this is suddenly the same team that uh, went to the playoffs last year and made a ginormous run. If he's, you know, one game great, one game absent, I think that throws everyone's roles in flux. I think it makes the team extremely unstable, and it's uh, going to lead to a negative result here ultimately. Although they were able to win in spite of it last year when he started struggling into that second round, and then eventually the third round it caught up to them. But I I just tonight made it all the more clear to me. This is my big takeaway from tonight. Brown needs to be involved, activated, 
emphasized every single game because he's too damn good. I mean, you look at this guy. If he puts up 26 shots, he's still going to shoot 46% or greater. And that is just like how many players can do that in basketball, be that efficient, uh, break out in transition and score every time. Yeah, it's nuts, Bobby. You're right. I mean, that was the story from last night. We were like, how did – Brown have so many, so few shots. And again, you don't know whether it's like, this is again where it always comes down to Brad. Like, how do you get to the fourth quarter of a game and have Jalen Brown have five field goal attempts, which is what happened last night and not pull everyone aside and be like, can you guys run the ball through Jason? I, I don't know. There's this vibe on this team that like everyone has a feeling that when they give the ball up, they're never going to get it back again. Like it's just touches, you know? It's so strange to me that, like, again, you had that game, uh, which one was it, where they went the final 130 where neither Jalen nor Jason touched the ball. It's insane to me that that's not an issue that's forced, that, like, that ball's got to get into his hands every time down the court at least once on the off chance that he can do something with it right then and there. I mean, And that, that is a Brad issue. It's right? crazy that it doesn't happen. Say it is Brad. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Um, I want to welcome in uh, one more uh, 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 guest here, Jonathan. What's going on, man? Hello, guys. How you guys doing? How are you? How are you doing, man? What's up, Jonathan? Doing good. Um, I just, I have two questions. One, what would be your dream Kemba Walker trade? Like, if there's one trade you get for Kemba oh, Walker, I, what would it be? I got Bradley the Beal. I got the trade Bradley machine Beal. ready. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, yeah, I mean, one question. What's what's two? Um, and two, if there were ever, if like, do you think you could convince, I don't know, like say a guy like Phil Jackson, come out of retirement and coach if you're the fire best Stevens, I don't know. Phil <laughs> Jackson, I love these, it. One of these legendary head coaches to get the best out of Tatum and Brown. I wonder if it's a legendary head coach or a player coach or what type of coach. But, Sherrod, you have your thoughts on what type of coach they would need. Let's say – here's the thing. Here's the hypothetical, right? And thanks again, Jonathan, for for, for listening. I know you're a, a loyal uh, watcher of the show. Um, but, uh, Sherrod, what – if you – if you could pluck them out of anywhere, what type of guy do you need? Do you need a guy with a coaching pedigree like a Spolstra who's won before, or do you need that player-friendly coach to kind of reach these younger guys and get them to buy in? If I, I you had you to move on. Someone, yeah. I think you need a been-there-done-there type of coach. Uh, someone who has won at a high level, who can walk into the room, demand respect, and has shown the ability to be, you know, can adapt to whatever kind of team he has. I look at a guy like Rick Carlisle, for example, in Dallas. Uh, I know that team of late has not um, – they haven't played at the level that I think a lot of people thought. But part of that, again, similar to the Celtics, core players haven't exactly been as available. And I'm, think, I'm speaking specifically about Porzingis. Uh, but Rick is a guy that – and, again, I, I having been around Rick for a while, uh, I know that Rick has shown the ability to – have teams with limited talent and get the most out of them. He's had teams that have tremendous talent and has won a title. And he's had teams that kind of run the, the spectrum and has found varying degrees of success. Uh, he has shown the ability to kind of successfully adapt to whatever style gives that particular team the best chance of winning. And so it would be someone in, in that vein that I would be looking to if I were to make a change. But like I said earlier, I, I still think that Brad is, is the guy. I still think that that Brad is going to be the one that's going to lead this team back to winning a championship. And I know this has been a rough year for him and a lot of the players, but I, again, I'm, I'm going with my gut with that guy. I think he's really, really good. 
and it doesn't look great now. But again, I, I just think it's at some point I do believe Brad is going to lead this franchise to a title. Bobby, any closing thoughts? And again, we want to thank everybody again for watching um, and for listening, watching the post game show. If you did and then joined us over here and then listening, I think Annie put it in the chats. It's amazing. It's a 40, a 48 minute game can get us about two and a half hours worth of content. And that's roughly how much, we, how long we've been talking about this game and all Celtics matters. I can't promise every show we do is going to go on this long, but this is a new thing we're trying and it's super fun. So everybody right now we're enjoying ourselves a ton and we love, uh, listening uh, and hearing from you guys. So a uh, couple things I'll ask you guys before we wrap it up. If you do get a chance um, and you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channels um, at uh, CLNS YouTube uh, and the Celtics YouTube. You will be notified when we go live, which we do after every game. And uh, uh, oftentimes during the day, we're eventually going to be doing Garden Report daily reports as well that we're going to be broadcasting live in the afternoon or the evening, uh, depending. We'll also do breaking news when it when it happens, uh, specials, trade deadlines, off seasons, all of that. All through the rest of the regular season, the playoffs, we're here. Um, so do that. And also here, follow all of us, all of the members here of the CLNS postgame uh, crew. Follow us here on uh, the Locker Room app. That way you'll be notified when we do go live. Follow us on Twitter as well because uh, we send automatic tweets out every time we go live as well. Uh, for that. Uh, and also share this with your friends. We want to have more people in here. If you think anybody you know is into the Celtics, is into this sort of chatter, uh, pass, pass the message along. Uh, we are not only on Locker Room, we are sponsored by Locker Room. And the more people we have on here, the longer we get to do this for. Um, and we get to keep bringing you this free content, which we really enjoy doing. So, uh, guys, closing thoughts here before we wrap up the chat. So they asked for a dream Kemba trade, and I know Sherrod's are up trade. Deal, which... Oh, and you have it. You've probably gotten seven of them already on the trade machine. Well, I mean, this was this was a Bernadoni idea originally, but we've tossed around like destinations that would uh, be enticing for Kemba and the other side having him come in. And uh, teams that get compared a lot are the Clippers and the Celtics. And the Clippers need more of an offensive point guard. They have a bunch of you know middle tier role guys that the Celtics could use. I think a more than fair swap would be something like Kemba to L.A. for, let's say, Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, Sherrod's guy, Luke Kennard, and bring back a guy that was so crucial to this team when he was here, Marcus Morris. And, you know, maybe I'm going to send a first out there. Clippers don't have first-round picks, so that might be enticing to them. Send them some Boston first-round picks because they don't have any, thanks to Paul George. Now Kawhi's going to have to stay. But, again, I think L.A. would love Kemba. I think the Celtics could use three or four role guys, veterans, and that one makes perfect sense to me. And then those are guys that you can flip down the line if you need salary and trades and all that stuff. I think I think that could really happen. Wow. Wow. I am all – look, I'm all in on that one. I love I love Mr. Marcus Morris. My goodness. Yeah, but, but the Clippers say gonna, yes, John. Is that going to help – anything that oh, ails the yeah. Celtics. No, Morris, another guy who's an absolute friggin' vacuum. You're ne- you never see the ball. Would you He's rather have Morris or Ojale? But the point is, right now, look, of course, because o- Ojale doesn't count. It's like Morris over nothing. And it's not... A- not Ojale is shouldn't be compared to anyone because he shouldn't be a person you're counting on for real minutes. So it's not fair. But I don't want a Morris type on this team, even though I love Morris because I you love want a Beverly. A, 
I love that Morris is a badass, and I love that he's got attitude and swagger. We do not need another guy on this team that when they get the ball, they don't give it back, and they're single, singularly focused on getting their shot up, and that's what Morris is. And but you know good, what? It, he's good if that's what you need, and he's good if he accepts a second-unit role. Totally fine, but that's that's what you're getting. Hey, John, do you know who Morris's young young guy was when he was with the Celtics? Tatum. Was, it, was Tatum. it Tatum? Yep. Tatum. That was his yep. guy. They, they yep. like, and I, I remember, I they wrote him. about this and talked to both of those guys about their relationship. It's real. Um, that would make Tatum very happy. Uh, I can tell you that right now. Um, I'm not crazy about the Patrick Beverly component because I think you're getting a little redundant when you have him. Yeah, Martin. you got smart here. What do you need that for? Another offensively limited guy who mainly plays defense. It's and, to make the money work. Yeah. It doesn't well, make sense. Well, then you could probably flip him for for some for you know a future yeah. pick or something like that. Um, I yeah, I, I would love for them to add a guy like Morris because John, to your point, you're right. I mean, he does have a certain black hole ish type of game, but yeah. I just think. Do you guys realize his his production this year? He's shooting like fifty percent from three. It's unreal he, how how well he, he lit from up three. Ben Simmons in one his, game. I watched. He always like, lit lights him up Ben Simmons. Bobby, you remember his ben last. Simmons. Bobby, his last year here, he was uh, he came out of the gates close to fifty percent for the whole first half of the season, I believe, with Boston, and then he kind of cooled it down. But he was absolutely lights out for almost half a year. Um, yeah, in that final they really year. missed him when he left. They really yeah, did. I mean, look, he's offense man, and especially when things weren't working. Um, you know, sometimes he was exactly what you needed. Other times it was like, oh, crap, here comes that stretch where Morris is just going to jack it seven times and that's all that's going to happen. So, um, yeah, it, it, sometimes he can be exactly what you want and need. But I like Sherrod's point there, the, ta- the Tatum thing, whether that would be, you know, uh, something that could help kind of unlock him or get him to the next level or have that big brother sort of figure there. I'm all for that. Yeah. They, they, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, I just remember just kind of, you know, writing about how, you know, they actually, you know, sat together on the team playing, got to know each other. Um, Tatum learned a lot about just kind of navigating that, that first year or so in the and, league from, from, from Mook. So, um, and you know how yeah, I feel, I'm, John, if you got to send picks to do it, just send the picks. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I said, Bobby, we, we all agree. Look, we're not sending seven picks for for middling players, but we are also. I mean, it, there's there's no reason to hold on to picks that you think are going to be in the twenties. Now, you start to question whether or not if if they don't make the playoffs this year, you certainly question what what the value of a lottery pick. But you're definitely going to try to roll that up into an established player if another team is going to bite. You have that luxury, and you've got Tatum and Brown here. You still are yeah. in a win now sort of position, but you do. I think this team right now only improves organically and not through trade which means they've got a hit on one of these lottery tickets which means they missed on two 14s it looks like we don't know fully yet it might be too soon but if they get another 13 14 15 they they almost have to try to cash it in because i don't know what its value is elsewhere you're hoping you're you're looking for your halliburton there you know and if you get a player like that you're like okay the future looks a little bit better it's merely the fact that they yeah. haven't done that three years from now. the yeah, but I mean, it helps. Uh, it, it's imagine if you had, like I said, we can trash Hero for kind of you know being overhyped 
after last year's playoff run and not and an incomplete player. But if this team had Hero and Halliburton versus Romeo and Neesmith, we're we're having totally different conversations it's, right it's now. It's tough you to know? say. And I'm not saying it's tough to I'm say. not saying you could have reached I'm not saying you could have reached to get those players, but players in that range theoretically were available and that means you have a shot for 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 a a real starter ca- starting caliber and or right out of the gate rotation player they just don't have it and they're so thin and every single time somebody goes out with any sort of ailment or has a bad night it's really hard for them to win or to be competitive and it's it's been the problem all year so that's where we're at. Guys, I think we've gone on a ton, so I'm going to thank everybody again. We still have quite a few people in the room. I re- really appreciate you hanging. If we didn't get to you tonight, we absolutely will try to next time. I'm keeping an eye on the people who are in the room who did not we did not reach, I promise. If I can remember it, and I will try to, I'll get to you guys early Use next a pen time. and paper, John. Come on. Uh, that's what boomers do. We write stuff down, okay? I'm going to get my pen and paper, my quill, and I'm going to write down a few names on my paper and make sure I remember to get to them next time. But uh, Bobby Manning still left here. Bobby Manning, of course, uh, CLNS Media, Celtics Blog, Boston Sports Journal, uh, the Dome Theory Podcast, Sherrod Blakely, Bleacher Report, Boston Sports Journal, uh, the A-List Podcast. If you don't subscribe, you absolutely should. He had Leon Poe on. We have our video out on our CLNS YouTube channel. And uh, the podcast is, of course, up in space, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get it. Subscribe to the pod. It was a really cool conversation. Uh, you guys have an awesome rapport. That was a fun, that was a fun podcast, Sherrod. Leon's the best. That, that, yeah. was, that was a lot of fun. Great yeah. stories. Great stories. Yeah, that seemed fun. So um, you guys should absolutely subscribe to that. And again, like we said, follow us on Locker Room. Follow us on Twitter. You'll be notified every time we jump into this room. Ton of fun. So thank you guys for hanging in there. We will see you again on Friday. Peace. See ya. 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 See ya.